Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, please open up to page uh, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be in verses 1 through 11. That's page 1349 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Page 1349, Pew Bible in front of you. As you're opening up there, I just want to say what an honor it is uh, to be here. It's the first time I've ever preached at White Pond Baptist Church. And... Uh, <laughs> Woody's already gone, so I can, I can say that. So uh, what a joy it is, though, to get to, to be here and to celebrate Christmas. Uh, Chris Taunton, our student ministry director, and Larry Furman, our sort of honorary staff member here who uh, functions like a part of the staff in so many ways, really. Both did such a fantastic job filling the pulpit over the last two weeks. But it's my joy to be able to open God's Word to you as we prepare our hearts for this Christmas season. You know, you hear a lot about the Christmas spirit uh, during this time of year, and that's kind of become this sort of vague sort of generality that a lot of people think about and talk about. But I, I think there's a passage in the Bible that represents something we might call the Christmas spirit. This one is it. So I hope and pray that God will open our hearts and minds as we hear His Word today. If you have your Bibles open there, I want to invite you to please stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you. Beginning in verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account, count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. O Lord, we pray today that you would open our hearts and our minds. God, we pray that we would receive your word today and be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love Christmas time, and really, I, I really love everything about Christmas time. There's not really a part of it that I don't enjoy. One of my favorite things, though, is as we ride around and spend time uh, at Christmas time, I love when Christmas carols come on the radio. Now, I, sometimes by the end of the season, I'm kind of tired of Christmas music as a whole, but that's not the carols. That's Frosty and Rudolph. I'm ready for them to go back into hibernation. We'll, 
we'll, we'll bring them back out next year. But at the end of Christmas, though, I'm not sick of the carols because the carols are so rich. There's so much truth to the carols. And it's, it's amazing to me to hear people sing. To hear people sing about Jesus on the radio. To hear people sing about Jesus on TV. What an amazing opportunity God has given us here that our culture celebrates Christmas. Even Dave Matthews has a song about Christmas. You know, he says, The wise men came, three made their way to shower him with love while he lay in the hay. Shower him with love, 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 love was all around. Now, Dave's not my favorite theologian, but he, he at least is singing about Christmas. All around us, we have people singing about Christmas, about Jesus. And listen, as Christians, and especially as evangelicals, and especially as Baptists, sometimes we can sort of be smug and kind of look down our nose at others and say, sure, they sing about Jesus at Christmas time, but, but we're the ones who really serve and love Jesus. Sure, they talk about Him culturally every time this time of year. Sure, they honor Him with their lips, so to speak, but they're far away from Him with their hearts. And we can sometimes be sort of smug and kind of look down our noses at others, but I, I want to ask you this question. I want to ask myself this question. I hope that collectively we can really search our hearts today and ask this question. Have we received our King this Christmas? Are our hearts prepared? for the message of the season. And furthermore, as Christians, as we sometimes can get kind of smug, we always like to make jokes, and I understand, you know, it, nothing says Thanksgiving like going and beating each other up the next day to, to get Christmas presents, you know, and we sort of look down on some of the chaos that happens in our culture at this time, and sometimes we can sort of get haughty, right? We start to think, wow, at least we're not like those other Black Friday shoppers. At least we're not like those other people. At least we're not like these other musical artists who honor Jesus with their lips. But let me ask you this question. Have we been reminded this Christmas and have we reminded ourselves that our Lord came to us? Our Lord came to us. Christmas is about grace. We didn't go to Him. We didn't send a group of people to go request salvation. He came to us and saved us. I want to show you this morning three reminders about what it means for you to receive your King this Christmas. Three ways for you to prepare your heart. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Will you receive your King this year? And as we walk through this passage, I, I hope you'll see three things. Here's the first. My hope and my prayer is that each of us will receive your King through humility. Receive your king through humility. You see, that's one of the things about grace is when we've received grace, when we are a people of the cross, when we stand next to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, we cannot be prideful. We must be humble. And so if there's a primary attitude that a Christian ought to reflect during Christmas time, I, I believe with all my heart the most primary thing that we ought to reflect at Christmas time is humility. Humility. Notice what the Bible says. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Now, is Paul saying there's a possibility 
that, that we don't have some of these things? Is, it, is, is that what Paul is arguing here? No, no that's, that's not what he's saying. That's not what the Apostle Paul is arguing. Instead, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that there are those things that the Christian experiences and that the Christian has. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Let me ask you this question, believers. Have you experienced those things this Christmas? Have, have you seen those things this Christmas? Have you experienced the encouragement of Christ? Ha, have you experienced comfort from love? See, I think about some of you I know struggle at Christmas time. For some of you, it's a difficulty. And so I hope and pray that for many of you, you have experienced this Christmas season encouragement in Christ. For some of you, that's the only place you can find encouragement is in Jesus. But thank God that He's there. What about comfort from love? Comfort from love. There is a comfort in being loved. I love my, my wife has arranged all of your Christmas cards and Christmas cards for people all over the country all over the place, in a corner in our kitchen. And I love to just look over there and think about the people in that corner. I love to think about, pray for those folks who are there. There's a comfort in love. What does the Bible say? Participation in the Spirit. Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Affection and sympathy. Well, I hope and pray that we've all experience those things i hope and pray that we've all seen those things and that being the case that being the case the apostle paul says complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind brothers and sisters those are benefits of the gospel of the lord jesus christ those are benefits of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ought to be humbled by those things. See, if we've experienced those things, they ought to lead us to humility. Complete my joy, the Bible says, by being of the same mind and having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind. Now, it takes some humility to be of one mind, doesn't it? What do y'all think? It takes some humility to be of one mind. So somebody in here is saying, no, 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 that's easy for us. And you'll have blown it by the time you pick out a restaurant to eat at after church. You'll be reminded. It takes humility. Now, we, you know, this develops in layers. We're to the place where we, we're not humble and wanting to go where we want to go. We're prideful and we want to be the one that says they don't care where we go. Anybody know what I mean by that? I don't care. You choose. I'm so humble. No, you choose. And then it becomes a war of who's going to not choose where to go to lunch. It takes humility to be of one mind. And is that not true in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that not true in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it not true that right now every one of us can go stand back there at the thermostat and there'll be 150 different opinions on what... Brothers and sisters, there would be temperatures suggested that would kill all of us just so people could have different opinions, right? 150 different opinions. I want 72.7 degrees Fahrenheit. 
It takes humility. It's true in the church. It's true in our homes. And if we're going to receive our King this Christmas, we must be a humble people. We, we, we see what Jesus has done for us. There is humility that comes from the benefits of the gospel, and it leads to a humility through unity. If we're going to be unified, we must be humble. If we're going to impact Gadsden for Christ, we must be humble. I love what the Bible says. Complete my joy, Paul says, by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accordance of one mind. Verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Count others more significant than yourselves. Receive your king through humility and be humble by putting others first. Be humble by putting others first. Don't look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, we're at a place... We're, we're, we're at a place where, uh, and, and we'll get to this second point, servanthood, here in just a moment. Uh, but uh, we're, at, we're at a place here where we recognize that we must put other people first. We, we have to consider others as better than ourselves. And, and, and part of what's happening here, and part of what we recognize here, is that that's sort of easy at times to do at Christmas time. You're, you're sort of a Scrooge if you don't think that others are more important than yourself. We, we say it all the time. It's better. We, we enjoy the joy of giving more than we enjoy the joy of receiving. But here's, here's what I'm worried about us putting others first. It is not on December the 23rd. I'm worried about us putting others first on February the 5th. That's the day I'm worried about. March 10th. Whatever random date you can think of. I, I, I'm worried about us putting others first when we're returning Christmas presents and waiting in a long line. I, I, I'm worried about us putting others first maybe a day or two after Christmas when that family member brings up those politics. I, I, I'm worried about us putting others first throughout our lives and not just at Christmas. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to have hearts that are prepared to receive their king, we must have humble hearts. But here's the second point. Second point is this. You must also receive your king through servanthood. Receive your king through servanthood. I, I, I want you to look with me in verses 5 through 7. Have this mind, verse 5, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Notice what the Bible says here. What We are called to be servants because Jesus was our servant. Servanthood, true gospel-centered Christ-centered servanthood requires the mind of Christ. Now, I'm going to be straight with you. We are not raised, we do not live in a society that values humility, that values servanthood. 
This is one of the ways in which we've not allowed the Bible to even shape our vocabulary. Almost all language related to servanthood is negative in our language, in our culture, in our society. And so it requires God's help for us to exemplify true servanthood. But I want you to hear what the Bible says. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Think about this. Oftentimes, we sort of look at a situation like this and think, I'm just not capable of doing this. I'm just not capable of servanthood. I'm just not capable of being kind and loving to others. Well, the Bible tells us something different. The Bible tells us something radically, totally different. The Bible says that the mind of Christ is yours in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ is yours in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, our problem as believers is very rarely that God has not given us what we need. In fact, that's never the case Almost always our problem in our lives and with our Christian faith is that we've not taken advantage of what God has already given us in Jesus. The Bible tells us that our minds need to be renewed through the Scriptures. We have been given the mind of Christ. It's available to us. We just have to pursue it. We just have to have our minds renewed through the Scriptures. Servanthood requires the mind of Christ. But not only that, we learn in verse 6, Servanthood also means forsaking what could be yours. Forsaking what could be yours. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Have any of y'all ever applied for a job that you applied for a job that you wanted and didn't get it. Have y'all ever had that experience before? Wish you you gotten it. And and one of the things that we do to sort of ease the pain of that later sometimes, and oftentimes it's true, but we all say it one way or another, say, boy, am I glad I didn't get that job. You know, one day before you didn't get it, you really wanted it. The day after, you say, I'm just glad I didn't want that job. I probably would have turned it down anyway. Now, now, we all recognize that, and then oftentimes, like I said, that's true, but sometimes we sort of say that kind of thing. I've, I've done that myself before. I, I've said that sort of thing just to be able to tell myself, just to make myself feel better on the other end. But what the Bible's talking about is not that which you couldn't have. It's easy to be humble about that which you couldn't have, right? It's harder. It's harder to forsake that which could be yours. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, we know that Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. He is equal to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in worth and dignity and power. He is supremely glorious. He is God and fully God. But he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. We walk into Walmart, buy a pack of gum, and think everybody ought to treat us like the king of the world. I'm a customer. 
We come to church. Think everything ought to go exactly like we want it to go. I'm a member. I start fidgeting my Amazon packages. Take three days to get to my house. Why? Because I'm a prime member at Amazon.com. I want my two-day shipping. Servanthood, servanthood means forsaking what could be yours. And notice what Jesus did. He owned everything he saw, everything he touched, every person that insulted him, every person that spoke to him, every pebble he stepped on, he created. Everything was made through him and for him, the Bible says. And he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But what? But he emptied himself. Verse 7. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, the Bible says. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Brothers and sisters, this is Christmas. Jesus Christ, our Lord, left heaven to come get us. And when He got here, He didn't come as a God. He, he, he didn't come even as a king or an emperor. He didn't come demanding all the sorts of trappings that one might expect God to demand. He, he did not come. He came in the form of a servant, the Bible says. Servanthood means emptying yourself. If you want to know what your challenge is, if I want to know what my challenge is in walking with Christ closely, knowing the Lord deeply and intimately, seeing victory over sin in our lives. If you want to know why drama follows you around everywhere, I always love to hear people say that. I love to hear people say that. You're stuck to the bottom of your shoe because we're full of ourselves. We're full of ourselves. You know, have you ever wondered why just the tiniest little thing, and listen, I'm the world's worst at this at times, tiniest little thing can set you off? It's because you're full of yourself. Just last night, I told Whitney, I said, I've been impatient today. I've been so impatient. I was impatient with her. I was impatient with my kids. It's Christmas time, right? We're all miserable. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm impatient with everybody. Impatient, snappy for no reason. You know why? Because I was full of myself. Imagine what Jesus, how Jesus could have acted, what Jesus could have done. You imagine how Jesus could have behaved being God. He could have made everyone, oh, 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 I'm sorry, children. You may not know this, and I understand, but I'm God. Be away. No, no, no. What did Jesus say? Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, becoming one of us who rebelled against him, who eventually murdered him. He humbled himself by emptying himself and coming to earth. And servanthood in our own lives, if we are going to serve others like Jesus has called us to serve others, it must mean 
that we forsake what could be ours, and it must mean that we empty ourselves. It must mean that we're no longer so self-focused and self-centered. Third of all, third point is this. We must receive our King through submission. You must receive your King through submission, through humility, through servanthood, and finally through submission. Listen to what the Bible says. Verse 8, Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' emptying of himself and Jesus' humbling of himself, Jesus' incarnation, they were all for a purpose. He didn't just do this just to show us the Christmas spirit. He, he, he didn't just do this just to show us what love looks like. Now, some of those things are true. I mean, he did demonstrate love to us. I, I think Dave Matthews, believe it or not, stopped a step short here. He said the, uh, the whole point of his Christmas song to show that Jesus demonstrated love all around. And so often, even as Christians, we talk about that, that it was just to show us this sort of generic love. And brothers and sisters, God is love, and Jesus is love incarnate. And He came to the world to show us love, but not love in just some generic form, but in a sacrificial, direct way. Jesus Christ came to love His people because not only was He God incarnate, not only did He hum humble Himself, not only did He empty Himself, not only did He not take what He deserved, on top of that, He took what He didn't deserve. What does Paul say? Being found in human form, he humbled himself. How? By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's one thing for the Son of God to be murdered. It's one thing for the Son of God to go through the entire passion narrative, to go through what all that he went through. And it's another thing altogether for the Roman Empire, which one day he has the ability to crush under his feet, it is another thing altogether for him to submit himself to their instrument of torture that was meant to subjugate and humiliate their enemies. When someone got put on a Roman cross, that was not just a way to kill them. There are easier ways merely to kill people. When someone was publicly stripped naked, beaten, flogged, and nailed to the cross, that was a way that Rome demonstrated to all those who were under their foot that they would remain that way so long as it pleased the emperor. And so Jesus did not just humble himself, and he did not just humble himself to the point of death. On top of all that, he humbled himself to the point of death on the cross, suffering the wrath of God there for our sins. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ submitted so that we, by his grace, could submit to him. He humbled himself, the Bible says. But that's not the end. We must submit to the crucified king, but we must also submit to the highly exalted king. I'm going to tell you guys something. If, uh, 
The Gospels ended at the crucifixion. If that's that, and Jesus of Nazareth is in a grave somewhere, I'm out. I'm done. My, my whole life is staked on the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I love y'all so much, but there are just other ways and better ways to support your family and make a living than to pastor a church if Jesus is dead. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the apostles believed. That, that, that's not what I believe happened. No, what, is, what does the Bible say happened? He died on the cross, and therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, brothers and sisters, there is no Roman Empire today. And a trillion years from now, when we've all forgotten the name of every Caesar, the name of Jesus will still resound through both heaven and earth to the glory of, and praise of God forever and ever and ever and ever. God has glorified Him through this resurrection and given Him this name that is above every name. And he did it through his humiliation, through his submission. He, he, he did it through his emptying, through his crucifixion. We must submit to the crucified king who died on our behalf. We must submit to the highly exalted king. And brothers and sisters, I'm not here to twist your arm, but I am here to present the truth of the Bible as plainly as I know how. And I want you to know that we can submit now or we can submit later. We can submit now or we can submit later. If you're a believer here this morning, Jesus is your king, whether you like it or not. And if you're running from him, running from him, running from him, eventually, if you're his child, he's going to get your attention. He's going to get you back. But today, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't trust Jesus, there's a day that's coming when you will submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. C.S. Lewis famously said, either you can tell God thy will be done in submission one day God will say to you, Thy will be done in judgment. We can submit now or we can submit later. But we must submit to our King. Brothers and sisters, this is Christmas. This is what Jesus has done. And I want you to know something right now. Jesus is asking you to do nothing that he has not already done himself. Today you may say, I need to know Jesus, but I just can't go through what I want to go through. But what does the Bible say? The Bible said that Jesus descended all the way down into death, that he suffered the wrath of God, and that on the other side of that, God highly exalted him. And I, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, if you're here and you're downtrodden by sin, if you're here and you're carrying a great burden and load of sin on your back, I, I want you to know right now that Jesus Christ, though you may be humiliated in the moment, though you may have to submit in the moment, 
Though, though it may be difficult in the moment, Jesus Christ has promised to you that you will go out from here like a calf leaping from the stall because He has promised deliverance and forgiveness of your sins. Your life won't be perfect, but the Lord indeed has come. He has come to earth to save us. He humbled Himself, taking the form of a servant being found in human flesh. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Lord has come to this church in the, in the form of gospel preaching, in the form of the fellowship of the Spirit, in the form of the encouragement you receive from the saints of God. And brothers and sisters, the Lord has come into your very individual lives, even now, speaking into your hearts so clearly that He is Lord and that today is the day of salvation, joy, joy to the world. The Lord has come. I ask you the question today, brothers and sisters, will you receive your King? I want to offer an invitation today. If you've never trusted Jesus for the first time, I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you'll turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus Christ and through His blood. I believe God will save you today. Second of all, you may be a believer and you may say, Pastor, I just need someone to pray with. This altar is open for you today. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk with you about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. And we thank you for the gospel of his grace. God, we thank you for sending him here to save us. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone who's wrestling with you today, God, that you would break through in their life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.